Welcome back to The Confidence of a Mediocre White Man. Uh, This is episode two, and in this episode, I'm going to get into a pretty serious topic, grief and loss. Uh, I've been through a lot of loss in my life. Uh, From a very young age, uh, having people very close to me die unexpectedly all the way up until just recently, uh, where I had a pretty impactful loss uh, a little over a month ago. Uh, I'm not by any means on an island here. I know everyone deals with loss, different types of loss, uh, everything from a job loss to a divorce to someone passing away. Uh, and, and it's painful all the way around. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I want to discuss this. Recently, there have been a series of things that have brought me to a pretty serious place in my life. And even though we've all experienced some loss of some kind, you know, the different losses mean different things. And it just doesn't have to be someone that you're really close with when someone passes away or when there's a loss to have it impact you greatly. And part of that's what has really driven me to to make this podcast about grief and loss. So last week, actually almost two weeks ago now, at my stepdaughter's school, there was a little fifth grader. Uh, her name was Leah Grace, who was walking home from school in the afternoon and she was crossing a pretty busy road, and she was hit by a car, actually two cars, and and she passed away. Um, This hit me really hard for a number of reasons. One, we're always having the conversations with my stepdaughter about why can't she walk to school by herself? Uh, There's not huge four-lane roads on our route, but there was for Leah Grace, but it's still pretty dangerous. And Realizing how this loss has impacted me really made me appreciate more what I have, you know, in in the relationship with my stepdaughter and the affection and the love that I get from her and that I give to her. But what really hit me hard about this was I've also lost someone pretty recently that's pretty important to me, and that's my mom. And I'll get into that a little bit more in a minute. But Having this loss as a part of the school community, where I'm a PTA member, I'm a board member of the PTA of this elementary school, and I've met a lot of parents, and we take time on our morning walks to school to say hi to as many parents as we can and to interact and the kids. and, And we have things called Funky Fridays, where on Fridays, the three of us will walk and we'll wear funny get-ups, whether it's a funny hat or if it's a holiday, we'll dress up in a holiday outfit. And and my stepdaughter really, really likes that. And it's something we do really for her. I mean, it's fun for us too. Uh, if anybody knows me really, it, I love to do that kind of stuff anyway. But being part of this school community made this loss much more impactful to me, even though I never met Leah Grace. So this kind of loss especially at this time of year with a child, knowing that there are parents and family members at home with Christmas presents under the tree that will never be opened, that this holiday will have this huge hole for them from now on, really, really hit me hard. Um, When we have a loss like this, And this is things that I've discussed with other folks in the school community because I'm a PTA board member, but also just 
because I'm a human being, when loss hits this hard, the first thing you think to do is, well, what can I do to help? So you do things like honoring their, their, their memory, honoring the legacy. Uh, we talked about Leah Grace being in the choir in the fifth grade. So I, ideas like, well, let's name the choir slash music room after her. Uh, let's, let's name one of the fundraisers that we do during the year as a PTA. Let's rename it to the Leah Grace Memorial Fundraiser. We can't raise money directly for someone, but when we raise money for the school, we can honor her that way. So there's lots of ways you can honor the people when you have this kind of loss. And personally, you can honor them for just their legacy, their memory, but things like if there was a disease that took a loved one, you can raise money to help fight that disease. If you have someone that's been close to you, maybe a coworker or a close friend that was taken unexpectedly, you know, um, one of the best examples I have is, is a, one of my best friends in the world has taken up the mantle of first responder mental health because one of his coworkers, actually someone that reported to him, was killed in the line of duty. And he realized very quickly that himself and all of his, the people that he worked closely with, were suffering with this loss. So he took that mantle up. And, and even now in his retirement, he is a champion for first responder mental health. And that is an amazing legacy for him and, and for the loss of this person. So it can also be something small. It doesn't have to be something grandiose like that. It could be just something as small as being there at a candlelight vigil or taking a memorial walk from the school to the crossing, you know, where Leah Grace was hit. Something as small as that, uh, anything to help honor the memory can help with the grief and the loss. Um, the other reason why it hit me so hard, I want to get back to that now, is, is my mom. So my mom passed away in early November. So my mom was a single parent. My stepdad passed away in 1976, and it was sudden. There was no illness. It was an accident. And she never remarried. She moved us from Arizona to Ohio, focused her life and her work and, and everything on raising myself and my brother. And the strength it took to do that, to forego, really forsake pretty much any relationship she could have had in, in finding happiness again, but to focus everything on us, to make sure we had as, as good a life as she could get for us, um, was just amazing. And I look back in awe of this sacrifice that she made. Um, I don't think I've ever seen, not personally, I don't think I've ever seen the kind of sacrifice. And this wasn't just a, okay, I'm going to forego vacation this summer to do this. This was from 1976 until, oh, 1990. So, you know, 15 plus years of doing nothing but focusing on myself and my brother until he graduated high school and went off uh, when he joined the Marine Corps. So, Again, this kind of sacrifice is amazing. And I look back in awe uh, over her life and in how she did this. And sometimes I think about why she did this more than the sacrifice she made for us. She sacrificed a lot of things just in general. Um, you know, she worked hard at her job. She rarely took a day off because if she took a day off, she didn't get paid. So anyway, this woman was driven. She was independent, obviously. Uh, she never did remarry. But one of the things that 
I really think about, no matter how much I think about what she gave up, was her sense of humor. She loved to laugh. She always told us if there's one way that that you can get through to someone, and that's with your sense of humor. Um, she was amazing with laughing and and jokes and not always clean jokes. Uh, she could cuss. She could, she was one of the cool moms with my friends because she could cuss. In fact, she told me my first dirty joke, and I'll share that with you. So there's a woman who walks into an ice cream parlor and walks up to the counter, and she gets the guy's attention behind the counter, and she says, hey, I'd like a uh, scoop of chocolate ice cream. And he says, oh, ma'am, we don't have any chocolate today. And she kind of looks at him funny, and she says, okay, no chocolate? He says, no, no, we don't have any chocolate. She says, okay, so she leaves. Well, the next day, about the same time, she comes back into the same ice cream parlor, and she walks up to the counter, and she says, hey, you know, I'd like a scoop of chocolate ice cream. He's like, well, ma'am, we just don't have any chocolate. I'm sorry. And she goes, well, she kind of looks at him, gives him a weird look. She's like, I just don't understand ice cream parlors not having chocolate. So she argues with him for a little bit, and he finally says, ma'am, listen, I don't have any chocolate. You, you just, I just don't have chocolate. I can give you any other flavor, but I don't have chocolate. She says, well, I really want chocolate, and she leaves, a little upset. Well, she comes back in the next day. She walks up to the counter, and the guy looks at her, and he's like, oh, here we go. She says, hey, listen, I want a scoop of chocolate ice cream. He's like, ma'am, we don't have chocolate. How can you be an ice cream parlor and not have chocolate ice cream? So he gathers himself for a second. He says, okay, listen, spell van as in vanilla. And she says, okay, V-A-N. He goes, okay. Now spell straw as in strawberry. She's like, okay, well, I don't know where this is going, but okay, S-T-R-A-W. He goes, okay. Now spell fuck as in chocolate. She goes, there is no fucking chocolate. He goes, that's what I've been trying to tell you. So that was the first dirty joke that I was told by an adult, and my mom actually told me that. So that was sort of her sense of humor, which, again, was amazing. Um... She also didn't have a whole lot of rules once we got old enough to hear jokes like that. Um, we were, she was pretty strict early on, but she knew and realized that the, the sort of discipline that she needed to do and, and the strictness that she had to do when we were little would help her in raising us as we got older. Because if there was no reason for us to be disciplined and, and, and to have manners and things when we were little, when we got older, it would just be too hard for her to manage us. So, but as we got older, she realized that we were good and that we were okay. And so she would relax the rules a little bit. And really there were very few rules. One was you don't cuss in front of me. That was her rule. You, she knew as a teenager, we were gonna cuss in front of our friends, but we didn't do it in the house and we did it in front of her, didn't do it in front of her. And then the other one was, if you go somewhere, I need to know where you're going to be. Now, this was pre-cell phone. So this was a, I'm going to go to my friend Tom's house. Okay, well, mom's like, all right, I, I trust that, we're, that where you're going to be. And if you're going to be longer than you say you're going to be, if you're going to be home tonight, that's fine. Curfews were not a big deal. But just don't be gone overnight and don't tell her. So give her a call, let her know what was going on. So that was sort of her rules. Um there's a whole lot of stories around rules and how we, how we ended up breaking them because we always did. Um, but that was the kind of person she was. She was also pretty social. She would chat up anyone in a grocery store line, including the people next to her or the cashier or the bagger. Um, we had the phone on the kitchen wall with the 300-foot cord, and she would be on that phone for hours with her friends talking. So she was pretty social uh, at the same time. Um, now, when she passed... Luckily enough, my brother and I were there at her bedside. 
And she did go peacefully. She did have uh, an illness. She, 15 or so years ago, she had had some pretty major heart surgery. And in the course of that, as she was approaching 80 years old, those things that had happened that she had had fixed started to break down a little bit. And that's ultimately what caused her, her to pass. Um, it, even though it was a month and a half or so ago, it still hurts a lot. Um, and it's going to continue to hurt. Uh, it's going to continue to hurt day after day, holiday with Christmas and, and the new year coming up. It hurts to think about the loss of her not being here. It's hard to think about me not getting a birthday card or a Christmas card or not being able to call her on Christmas day. It, it really just hurts. And a lot of people will say, well, time heals all wounds. Well, I don't necessarily believe that. I believe what time does is create distance between the pain and, and the now. Uh, it doesn't really heal it. it. It helps the scar, but it doesn't heal it. What you need to do to really heal the pain is, is to face it. You need to grieve. So avoiding the loss and not talking about it and boxing it up doesn't help. It really helps me to face it and to talk through it. And this, again, part of the reason why I'm having this episode be about this topic, as heavy as it may be. Um, and no matter what the, the pain is, there's some things that will always have a pretty big scar. Losing mom was, is going to leave a big scar. It just is. There's, there's losses in my life that have bigger scars than others. So we just have to get through them. Um, some of the things though, that can come out of, and I talked a little bit earlier about honoring and, and, and memories and legacies. A couple of the things that really came out of this loss, as horrible as it was, was a renewed relationship with my brother. Uh, my brother and I have been close. Uh, he was a former police officer, now retired. Actually, his wife is a former police officer as well. And I always worked corporate IT jobs. And we had kids around the same time. So if you throw all those schedules together, we really didn't have a lot of time to see each other. Uh, him and his wife would always work alternate schedules so that someone was home to get their girls off to school or to make sure that someone was there. Uh, so it was uh, It was really hard for us to see each other outside of major holidays. And even then, we would rarely see each other on Christmas Day. It would always be a day around Christmas. So having this renewed relationship with my brother has been amazing. Um, we talk and or text every single day. And it has been just, it has been one of the better things that I can think of that has happened to me in the past handful of years. The other thing, and it's a little odd to say, but the other thing is really is I adopted a cat. So my mom had gotten a cat about a year ago. My brother had taken her to a local shelter and they adopted a cat. And it was a loving cat and his, uh, my mom had named it Bobby uh, after a childhood friend of hers. And so when my mom passed, there's this cat, this now four-year-old cat that I uh, kind of looked at my brother and said, uh, what are we going to do with Bobby? And he said, hey, I've got two dogs. I can't take this cat. Well, here I am in Indiana. I live in Texas. I had never traveled with an animal before. I didn't know what the rules were. I didn't know how to do it. I, I didn't know what supplies to buy. I didn't know anything. So I did some research. Bobby traveled amazingly. Nine hours with, with a layover in Atlanta. Uh, most people didn't even know I had the cat with me in, in the, in the carry-on the little pet carrier carry-on. Um, it did make me nervous a couple of times. Uh, I had to buy a leash and a harness 
and I bought the wrong size harness to begin with, but the people at PetSmart, I can't recommend enough the PetSmart in Evansville, Indiana, because they were amazing in helping me get the harness back on when I bought the new one, but getting it through security. Uh, I did not know that when you took a pet through security in a carry-on uh, bag or container that you had to take it out of the bag and go th through security and then put it back in the, the bag. So I knew, okay, I bought the harness, I bought the leash, but I was scared to death that I was going to grab that cat out of that bag and it was going to freak out at the lights, the sounds, and take off. Now, what am I going to do when I walk through security and it takes off back the other way? I can't run after it. I'm going to get tackled and, and shot or something. So I was extremely nervous, but the cat did wonderfully. Made it home, it's, and it has been such an amazing addition to our family. My stepdaughter loves it. Um, he has uh, adopted all of us, one of us more than others, but that's okay. Um, and honestly, it's gotten so used to the new environment that it's already decided that it's picky about certain foods. It gets the zoomies all over the house. And I really think my mom's spirit has inhabited Bobby a little bit because the, some of the things that the cat does, I think it's just her way of paying me back for some of those rules that I broke. Uh, the few rules that she had, uh, I think she's getting me back for those. But those are the two really amazing things that happened that came out of this. And, and as I think back, you know, and, and, and reflect on my life and her life and, and all the things that we went through, Yes, the loss hurts, but I also know that I can honor her and I can honor her memory and her legacy by continuing my relationship with my brother and his family and strengthening that more and more every day and, and really understanding you know, that now I really have a part of her with me every day with, with Bobby, with this cat. So it, it's really nice. I mean, it is, it's great. And that's part of how I'm, I'm really dealing with this loss. Um, it, at least for now, again, day to day, it's different. Some days I'm a little more hit by this loss. Other days it isn't as bad. And you know, the, the heavy days get less and less frequent, if that makes sense. So anyway, thank you for listening. Um, I know this was a pretty heavy topic and, and but this was something that's really been weighing on me after, after Leah Grace passing and then my mom earlier, and being the time of year, this is something I needed to discuss. So thanks for listening. Uh, I'll be back soon with another episode, something a little lighter, I promise, uh, but another episode of The Confidence of a Mediocre White Man. Before I go, I do want to ask one question. How have you dealt with a recent loss? Mm -hmm.